Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. Uh, Alright, if you're into Star Wars, then you know what time it is. It's time for Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Yeah, of course, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the first episode of uh, Season 2. That is, of course, the biggest thing to happen um, in Star Wars for a while now. Uh, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking about The Clone Wars. I never thought I would say that. Especially not into a microphone. Nah, not that I did disliked the Clone Wars, but um, as I've said before, I sometimes felt a sense of eh, competition with the Clone Wars, just because um, sometimes people would criticize one thing uh, in order to hold up another in a way, and uh, would criticize stuff that I like and say that the Clone Wars was awesome when I felt like. I mean, it's good, <laughs> but uh, but my uh, I'm having a very different experience with that um, right now. So we're going to jump again to that, and of course we are going to continue with our Rise of Skywalker scene by scene commentary. All right, so let's do it. Mandalorian season two. I mean, I've I've said it before on on the show that. Um, I really liked the first season, but that I had, you know, quite a lot of reservations, to be honest. Um, uh, I felt that visually there was stuff that was amazing, but stuff that really revealed that it was done on a TV budget, not a film budget. And um, there, there were certain episodes that, you know, when you've only got eight episodes, it did feel like, like it was okay if it's not one game of thrones style like flowing um narrative necessarily that it's okay to like take detours but that um why not make them super cool um you know like for example the like episode six on the prison uh, ship i thought was you know it was in a way like separated from the main like um, the main storyline, I guess, but it was still like super entertaining and super cool. Um, but something like episode four, for example, was like just doing a, like a seven samurai thing again. It just felt like a bit lazy to me. Um, but uh, of course, the whole world loved that. Loved that first series. I'm the one who was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm used to it. I like uh, Metallica's Saint Anger album, so I've been used to uh, being wrong for 17 years now. It's been a while. So, um, yeah, but I, I was still, of course, you can't not be excited about uh, something like this coming back. And it's just, again, it's just nice to feel the positivity and excitement of the fan community all be you know all being kind of pointed in the same direction for the first time in decades almost um yep so here we go it was um chapter 9 and uh i got to say woohoo it was a cranker of an episode like when you look at when you look at it from a distance you know, not not a whole lot happens again that is gonna like um, play into the overall story, but um, bloody hell, it was f fun. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, I thought it was the best episode of The Mandalorian yet. Um, I think that one of the things that has in the past made me feel a bit like, well, yeah. This is, we are clearly watching a TV show here, not a movie. I just think that there's a, there's a bit of a lack of polish from time to time. Like, um, and I saw a little bit of that again. Like when he arrives at the, uh, at the fight club, like that Twilight who kind of opens the door. I just feel like there's something about the blocking or the performance that just, it didn't sing, you know. 
And it's funny, like you go like, well, it's just a dude like, oh, like letting another dude through a door. But I feel like if if they were on a film budget and therefore timetable that they would have played around a bit and found a way to make it a little a little more tasty in a way. So to me, there was still some um, some remnants of that kind of stuff in the episode. But that's really the only negative thing I have to say. Uh, everything else was just awesome. Like, um, I loved that opening sequence. I thought the, uh, I think the race is called, or the species is called an Abyssinian. The one-eyed guy, played by John Leguizamo. He was a great character. I loved his bad, bad, like, sent, like, he's, the way he was dressed is just like, it was this magic, you know, like gangster with bad taste kind of look and the comb over. I haven't heard anyone mention the comb over yet. That was, mm, loved it. Um, I thought that, I mean, it was John Favreau himself directing this episode. The dude can direct. That's, uh, that's, that's an established fact. Um, and I thought that that sequence was super good. I just thought it was like the timing of it. It was punchy. Um, and that fight scene was super cool. Like there's something like there's one moment where the Mandalorian like headbutts a guy and just the sound effect, that, um, metallic impact, it just really sold it. And then, he, you know, I, I sometimes use the word visual poetry and it's about the tempo and the uh, movement on screen and there's little moments like um when um i can't remember the character's name gore or something the the one-eyed abyssinian guy when he's like running down the street to get away from from the club um and the mandalorian uses the grappling hook and uh strings him up just that like the the way that that was done was so like snappy and it's like visually po poetic like it it moves it has a an almost like a musical tempo to it and um yeah so i loved that i loved him hanging upside down with his comb over flapping in the breeze that was amazing and then the mandalorian shooting out the lights and leaving him to those whatever they were Ah, that was good Star Wars. Um, now, then uh, heading into the main episode, was great to see Pelimoto back, the, the mechanic. She's a winner of a, of a, of a character, I, I think. Like, um, when people talk about the kind of, um, like, bringing back that 80s flavor that um, really works well for Star Wars since, you know, two out of the three films came out in the 80s and you, especially in Return of the Jedi, you get a bit more of that 80s flavor. Uh, she really has that um, and she's very charismatic. Um, I thought there's, there's still a slightly ropey speeder bike shot or two, but overall that that looked awesome. Um, yeah, Tatooine in general looked amazing in this episode, like very expansive, very... Um, really epic and um even though i know like sometimes people complain a bit that um if you start off with luke skywalker saying like um that this is basically the arse end of nowhere and you start to wonder why you, it, <laughs> everyone keeps going back there or you know all right yeah that makes sense um it's a valid criticism but it doesn't matter within our hearts tatooine is um yeah, it's an important place and I think we should, yeah, we don't need to think about it too hard. It's great. Um, Timothy Oliphant. Woohoo! I'm a big fan of him. I love him in the Santa Clarita diet and uh, in all sorts of other stuff. I love that he, he can have this, like, because he's very, very handsome and very charming, but he can also be nasty in a way and that's great now because you know like uh the rumors were flying 
um, regarding what was going to happen in this season. And the rumors were that Cobb Vanth would show up in the show. Um, in my head, I had that character kind of as a a bumbling tryhard, someone who would be pretty like annoying. Um, and uh, I was happy that that was not what it was. He was a good guy, you know. I really liked that. Um, I liked his reveal in the bar. Um, I loved that because um, they they could very easily have just dressed him up as Boba Fett, made him look pretty much exactly the same, and then gone like, "It's not, but it's not Boba Fett, you know. It's, it's this other guy." Um, but the fact that they 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 really made it where like he put the armor on. And he's, it's recognizable as Boba Fett's armor. And I love the weathering on it. Like, it really looks like it's been out in the fucking desert for, like, years, you know. Awesome. Um, it's recognizable as Boba Fett's armor, but he's wearing it in his own way. Um, it's clear that that's not Boba Fett wearing it. Um, I really like that. Um, and that scene in the bar... I just thought it was the timing of it was super nice. I love it was like not a super big obvious reaction, but Din Djarin's reaction when he takes that helmet off, that was just pitched super nicely. Um, and just that that kind of matter of fact way that uh, Cobb Vanth had of, of talking. But man, Timothy Oliphant is a super charming guy. So um, I loved that. Um, how amazing to finally see a, a crate dragon. I mean, that's amazing. That's that's straight up like Star Wars lore, straight out of 77. Like, um, so nice to finally see what one looks like. Um, some people have pointed out that the crate dragon skeleton in episode four is significantly smaller than what we saw in this episode, but I gotta say, like, humans come in very different sizes, so do dogs, I don't think it's that weird. Um, yeah, so I thought that was such a cool kind of, uh, thing to throw into the episode. Um, I love what this show has done for Tusken Raiders in expanding on um, what we know about them, what we know about their culture and how they behave and how they think. Um, that's That was fantastic. Um, I loved... One of my favorite moments was um, when Din Djarin and Cobb Vanth were heading out um, to take a look at the nest of the uh, of the crate dragon, and um, they come across those Tuscan hounds, and you're like, "Uh oh, here comes a here comes a paddling of some de some description," and um, <laughs> Din just starts like speaking Tuscan, and then he gets gets down and gives that ugly Tuscan hound a bit of a cuddle, like. Those kind of moments are so important to diffuse any, like a, a, any kind of over-seriousness or like, a, you know, dull, boorish kind of like macho action kind of vibe. It's, um, that was an, a magic moment. I really like that. Um, what else was cool in the episode? Ah, just cool to see speeder bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Cobb Vance's um, speeder made out of, I have to assume, one of Anakin Skywalker's pod racer engines. What a cool, um, uh, what a cool idea. Um, I like that it's recognizable as that, but you know, this is 30, no, 20, yeah, between like 25, 30 years after. Episode one, or no, no, it's more. I'm getting a bit confused now. Let's call it 30 years. Uh, at least 30 years um, 
after episode one, so you can see that it's uh, been around the block a few times, had a few uh, alterations. Um, so just a cool thing to see. Um, I loved that moment where they take a banther out to lure the um, to lure the crate dragon out of its nest. Instead of going for the the panther, he just goes straight for the Tuscan Raider, and ah, uh, these little surprises really make a big difference. I think. Um, it was I liked that little flashback section where Cobb Vanth talks about how he got the armor. That was really good. Um, and that little action scene between him and the miners, just to see him use that rangefinder on the helmet and then the rocket. Great stuff. Yeah, it was, you know, it's one of those things where you just go like, you've always had that, like, that rangefinder has been part of your, like, you know, the silhouette of Boba Fett for so long and just to see it getting used properly and, yeah, awesome stuff. Um, yeah, that was all awesome. I loved... Um, you know, I thought that as I was watching it, I was a bit like, yeah, I don't know if they can kind of like really build that kind of, um, build that momentum and maintain it all the way to the end. It could end up just like, boom, bap, we killed the, the crate Dragon. All right, end of episode, nice. Uh, that's not how it went at all. Like, I think they really held the tension amazingly well and then when um vanth and din Djarin finally like take off and um attack the uh attack the crate dragon with their um jet packs it's awesome i loved it they got that the i don't know like I guess those are purely CG characters that are flying around like that, but they really look like they have weight. They have this kind of flop to them, where you know, that you can really imagine. Um, especially that shot when when ja Dean Jaron has been swallowed and he like blasts his way out of the crate dragon's mouth. It just it looked exactly right, and that I mean, I have to say the entire episode. Um, you know, I, I I think you can st still see evidence that it's not a movie, that it's a TV show. There are some shots where you, where you kind of um, can feel a little bit like, yeah, I think if this was a movie, there would be an extra layer of detail in the set dressing or whatever. But overall, this is by far the biggest, the, like the visually biggest episode that we've seen the just to, I mean that crate dragon was absolutely like cinema quality was amazing I loved that and um yeah now of course uh that leads us into the final reveal which was super fun <laughs> made me super happy um I think that, you know, this kind of discussion over the years, like, is Boba Fett alive or not or whatever? It's one of those things where, like, like if it had been, if the same had been going on about Darth Maul, you would go, like, the dude got chopped in half. It chopped in half! There's one for the obituary fans. Um... Dude got chopped in half. This is a ridiculous conversation. Now, uh, Boba Fett fell into the Sarlacc pit, but he has a fucking jetpack. So, not a ridiculous com conversation at all, actually. Um, so, uh, I it was one of those things where fans kind of wanting him not to be dead. To me, it was not a stretch at all. So um, to see him at the end of that episode looking awesome, by the way, um, love, it was cool that he had like a, a, a Tuscan rifle and gaffy stick on his back. Speaking of gaffy sticks, how about that shot of a, of a Tuscan raider picking his uh, banther's teeth with the gaffy stick? 
I just think Favreau and Filoni, they keep finding new details to add to stuff that we've seen before that slots just perfectly in with what we already know. Like, why wouldn't they do that? Like, it's it's just, and, it, and it's fun. And like, if you're a, like, if you're a, a um, kind of a casual fan, you probably just go, yep, that's nice. But if you're like a, a bit more involved, uh, then you kind of really appreciate or really like that. But um, yeah, so Boba Fett watching as Cobb Vanth speeds away from that town with the uh, Tuscan rifle and gaffy stick on his back. A very serious look on his face. I just think, uh, you know, I was pretty surprised that we saw him in the first episode of the season. I really thought there that that would be uh, something that they really like build towards. But I also think like the makers of the show, they must know like, all right, there's so much um, like we really want to like lay down the law in the first episode, give people something to like really think about um, in that first episode, especially because like, I mean, to be honest, this episode is not a million miles from like episode two or episode four, where it's just like, Din Jaron help some people do something, you know. Um, it doesn't have a big impact on that core story of him and Baby Yoda and trying to find Baby Yoda's people, like, uh, meaning Jedi Knights. Um, you know, it's a pretty simple story, to be honest. Um, but it just felt so like fun and, uh, immersive. And, um, I think it was a great choice to put that reveal in the end of the episode, just to give it a bit of weight in the bottom end to use a musical term. And, um, I just like, I mean, Tamara Morrison, he's such a strong actor. Like he's not just a cool menacing face. Like, I hope they give him a lot to do because the dude can do it, you know. Um, one nice thing was uh, Cobb Vanth saying, I hope our paths cross again sometime. And the, the Mandalorian agreeing that he felt the same way. Um, I hope that we see Cobb Vanth again. I just think Timothy Oliphant is such a charming performer. Um I'm a sucker for good teeth and good hair. <laughs> and he has both. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yep. Chapter nine of The Mandalorian. Big thumbs up. Um, it's so nice. I like, I see dickheads online. Why don't they just release all the episodes at once? You know, this is more fun, guys. Come on. Seriously, you see, you, you, I mean, this episode was over 50 minutes. You've got almost a, a, a half a Star Wars movie. That used to be enough to get you through like three years, you know, or like, let's say, okay, three years between movies. It's a half a movie. That would be like a, a year and a half in prequel era or a, a OT era Star Wars, guys. So the fact that you get like pretty much half a Star Wars movie and you don't have to wait, wait a week for the next chunk Man, and I just think, like, uh, when you look at uh, upcoming directors for the rest of the season, Robert Rodriguez, holy shit, come on. It's, I mean, that dude knows. He knows westerns, but he knows westerns with a twist, especially well. And Peyton Reed, the uh, Ant-Man director... I mean, those those movies are super charming. So I just, I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait. I think, um, like, I still, there's still a part of me that bridles a little bit because there's evidence that this is not. 
they don't have the budget to perfect every single shot or line or whatever. Um, and I still can see that. But um, the fact that se like episode one of season two is, to me, the best episode so far suggests that um, like it can get better and better. And hopefully, like, you know, the bigger the show gets, the bigger the budget gets, and the bigger, you know, and then all that expertise that is um, gathered during the making of this can be applied to the other TV series that are on their way. Um, I mean, for me, nothing will ever beat Star Wars films. Like, I just don't think it will ever. Like, like the TV series will have to get super ridiculous good to uh, beat that experience for me. But um, I think that there's, there's a possibility that it can get close. Now, I know for a lot of people, this is like better than a large percentage of the films. So... Um, I'm glad they are enjoying it. Yeah. So anyway, big thumbs up. Can't wait for next week. That's good stuff. Now, I, I think I mentioned it already in the last episode, but um, re-watching The Clone Wars in chronological order. And I have to say again, I can't believe how much fun I'm having. Like, this, this is one of the big differences. Okay, A, the chronological watch. Things just seem to... It actually feels like a cohesive story now. It Things flow together really nicely. Um, and just to kind of be able to track the progress of characters in a like linear way, it just, it, to me, it has improved things massively. Um, and uh, another big thing that, like, to me, makes it... Like a better way to watch it, I think, is that, um, or at least, I mean, I mean, this could be applied to just binging it in um, in release order as well. But I think that, I mean, how I remember the original, you know, the r original run of it, where you were going like weekly releases, and I don't know if people remember this, but there were quite a lot of kind of baffling breaks in the release schedule like sometimes they would be like, like they, would, they would release like three episodes you know on that and then they would go like oh yeah we're taking like three weeks off <laughs> and you uh, okay <laughs> all right i'm just gonna just gonna stand over here and wait um that used to happen pretty often and um i think one of the unfortunate side effects of that is that when you had a, an episode that was um lower on action or a bit of you know one of like George's weird ones and we'll talk a little bit in a moment about what those episodes might be but if you got one of those episodes that like ah let's do it now episodes that well what would happen is you would get see one of the, these more less action-packed or more silly episodes and that was usually like Star Wars for the week and you would feel a bit like really especially if it was like a whole like an arc of these kind of episodes like the um the sunny day in the void which i haven't got to yet but everyone remembers them um one of the arcs that i've watched uh in the last few days was like there's a whole thing with um with padme and like political stuff her and um uh, what's the character's name? Map something Bonteri. A lot of you know stuff with her and um, Bail Organa, Senate sessions and votes and blah blah blah. All, all that kind of stuff that in the in the prequel films, I think most of us were like, oh, God, is this what Star Wars is like? Senate sessions and voting and uh. now i think that when it when you're watching it as it you know weekly as it comes out 
you get an episode like that and you feel like, oh, that was a bit not fun. And then you have to wait a week and then you get another political episode and you're like, okay, the show is starting to lose me. And I did feel a bit that way sometimes, you know. But now when I'm kind of watching it, you know, maybe, you know, our two to three episodes per session, um, these episodes really work actually like i've had not like i'm at, i'm at least like 30 35% of the way through the series now there's only been about like one or two episodes where i felt like this is not really working and i my memory of it the first time around was that there were quite a lot of episodes that were not the most awesome um I so I really I gotta recommend if if you've only seen the 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 series once and you watched them as they came out and you sat through them you watched them weekly and felt a bit frustrated sometimes that you know like remember that episode like where three PO and R two have to go and get Jogan fruit <laughs> I just remember being like are you kidding me with this like. This is Star Wars. We've got an episode where the droids have to go find fruit. And you're like, come on, you're killing me with this. But when you're like watching a few episodes at a time, like it actually creates a really nice ebb and flow of seriousness and funniness, which is exactly the Star Wars like mix. You know, it actually, the way the Clone Wars plays when you watch it chronological or chronologically the blend and mixture of of feels and like storylines and stuff in the in the episodes it works in the way it it does in an enti- in like in a single star wars movie in a way you know you got a, a an episode that's a bit more like funny you got an episode that is like super you got this like really action packed s- stuff you've got a, like a section that's like dark or whatever you got a section that is um political um i'm really like i'm so glad i did this because i really felt like the clone wars was cool but it was never really going to be my cup of tea so um yeah again i gotta say i gotta be a give a big cheesy thumbs up to disney plus the the platform works awesome the visual quality is awesome not like fucking hbo fix your streaming quality hbo yeah um so uh i'm having an awesome time just a few more episode highlights from uh, recent episodes i've seen um i mean i don't know if i talked about it last time but that whole geonosis arc still is so damn good man the brain brain eaters and whatever um, I just recently saw the Night Sisters. I, I feel a little bit like you know these like bow and arrow type weapons. You just go like, I know you're trying to like if you just have every single character walking around with blasters on their hips, it's just visually boring. So you have to do stuff like this, but it's just it also doesn't make sense. <laughs> it is a bit goofy, but amazing episodes. I mean that epic lightsaber battle between Dooku, Ventress, and um, and Savage Press and Obi-Wan Kenobi in different uh, formations or whatever. So good. And I just, I love Dooku in this series. Like, I, it, it was cool enough, you know, in episodes two and three. But I just, like, I'm not a fan of those films, so hard for me to enjoy despite the amazing Christopher Linus of it all but man I just think he's such a cool character in the in this series um and um I had forgotten that Ventress gets kicked aside this early on by him um at Palpatine's behest but uh great I loved that um yeah I mentioned this like this very like political a uh, few episodes that if you watch chronologically they're all 
one after the other. I actually really liked it. I really liked it. Like, I just think um, in the context of a very long form story, when you don't have to only watch one episode a week, like, it really works. I love it. Um, what else has been cool? I think I've kind of gone blank, but um, yeah, I stand corrected. All those Clone Wars fans out there, you were right. This is great. And I think, I mean, this is the thing. Like, and I heard people say this, that the show had its fans, of course, um, but it wasn't, a, um, wasn't exactly a household name which was a bit unfortunate considering that it's Star Wars, one of the biggest entertainment properties on the planet, and that um, it's, you know, very good quality. Um, but, you know, it, it really was like a hardcore Star Wars fan base that was watching it and not much outside of that. But once they got shifted to Netflix, the show exploded in popularity. And... Um, I can really see why the ability to watch as many episodes as you like has really, like, people, I'm sure there is a ton of people who never saw them on their original release run who got to, like, um, watch them, you know, three, four or five episodes at a time who were like, man, this is the best thing ever. So it's great. And I have to say again, like, now I'm into... um, basically season three and visually i mean it's crazy it's such good quality and you gotta just say give a huge thank you to um to uncle george for footing the bill for that i mean uh, as many of you will know the reason that the clone wars looks as good good as it does is because george lucas basically went like like uh, it's okay if it doesn't make a ton of money or even loses money. I'm paying for it. I just want it to look how I want it to look. Um, so it is visually incredible. I mean, watching it on a big screen 4K TV, it just like, it, mm, it really makes the experience magic. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty excited that um, like there are, like some of the series' best arcs are still to come for me on this rewatch. Um, I can't wait for um, Umbara. I can't wait for Maul. Um, I can't wait. Ah, oh, you know what? I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it properly. But I have also downloaded a fan edit of um, the last four episodes with Revenge of the Sith, which I will watch after I finished watching The Clone Wars to see how that plays out. But that will be very uh, report to come on that one. All right. So, uh, yeah, I got to encourage anyone who's considering watching The Clone Wars um, who hasn't before, definitely do it and consider doing it in chronological order because I uh, I really feel like that's the way to go. All right. I think it's time. Let's jump into our scene-by-scene commentary on The Rise of Skywalker. Here we go. All right. So, uh, of course, last time we uh last time we left off with probably my favorite scene in the whole film. Kylo and Han. Ooh, so sad, but so so magical. All right, so let's see what's next. Oh, no, I'm still. I, sorry, I just because I'm re, I'm re, ah yeah, da, yeah 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 yeah. This great uh, little scene of uh, General Pride talking to Palpatine. I just love, I love, man, this makes me just want to like watch this movie again, I have to say. Look at how cool Palpatine looks in that hologram. Am I just a sucker for stuff that looks cool? Is that what's going on with me? Because 
when I just hear, hear, hear people complain bitterly about this film. <laughs> I'm just like, I get it. I get it. Uh, I mean, this was a bit like whatever, you know, like blowing up Kajimi, I guess. But, ah, oh, I gotta, hang on, I gotta pause this. Yeah, I mean, one thing I can agree with is, like, these Sith, Sith troopers. Everyone went nuts for them. Like, they just look cool. They almost look like, like people who've had the flesh stripped off them. Um, and this is all their, like, muscles and stuff showing. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, uh, I just paused it here on this shot of, the, it's like a, yeah, the captain or whatever of this Sith Star Destroyer, and I'm just enjoying the, uh, Sith Troopers in the background. Oh, I just feel like, um, I mean, look how beautiful it, it looks. It's just so cool. Like, can't they just, once they've, when they've got the set there, can't they just like film random stuff? I would watch just like random conversations on the, on the bridge of this uh, Sith Star Destroyer. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, the thing of like, kind of like, uh, okay, so we had a Death Star, we had another Death Star. Then we had a, like a really, really big Death Star, basically, with Starkiller Base. And now we're just going to have like a whole fleet of ships that are mini Death Stars. Yeah, that sucks, actually. <laughs> it's not very cool <laughs> or interesting. Um, but I also understand you, you can't really um, have a big ending to the saga without a very big threat. So what's more threatening than, you know, destroying entire planets? Yeah, so I guess that's what JJ and what's-his-face Chris Terrio thought was best. Pretty sad to see um, Kajimi go. I really like that. Uh, I love that section of the film. I love that set. I just think it's such a cool thing to look at. Um, yeah, this is... I think, like, the weakest sections of the film are really, like, these kind of exposition scenes. I think that because the story does feel rushed and kind of stitched together, they basically, they have these exposition scenes to basically explain to us what the hell's going on. And because what the hell is going on is a bit ropey, these exposition scenes come off as like, you kind of feel a bit sorry for the actors having to like sell it. I mean, exposition, I think is, I'm assuming it's a lot of filmmakers least favorite thing to, uh, to deal with. But, um, yeah, probably, I think all my least favorite moments in this film are exposition scenes. All right. We've got, uh, Poe Dameron, At um, with the with Leia's body, he's feeling overwhelmed. He's not sure he can be the leader that she was, and he's visited by Mister Charming himself, Lando Calrissian. I know some people are a little bit like, "Why is he wearing the same outfit that he was wearing in Solo?" Which, on the timeline, it's like thirty years ago. I don't know. But I like yellow, and I like black, and this outfit is yellow and black, and he looks really cool, <laughs> so whatever. He's also got this, like, that shiny uh, hand cannon strapped to him, which is a very Lando thing to have. Ah, did you hear that, Billy D? We had each other. Wow, that's good stuff. Yeah, I don't know. This whole section is like a bit hit or miss, I would say. We got the uh, Finn talking to Dio. It's kind of cool that they made Finn a general, but but at the same time, it's just like 
Ah, who cares, really? I just love that. Yeah, I like stuff like that where Poe calls him Coneface. This kind of um, Han Solo-ish disregard for the feelings of droids. <laughs> it's very charming. Now we get into um, a section of the film that I had very high hopes for. But I'm quite kind of shocked at how little I love this part, actually. It's just... Um, I mean, that shot is amazing with the ray and the burning TIE fighter. That's fantastic. I just... Yeah, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to it. She looks cool with that hood. I think... Ah, I really like her whole outfit and look for this, for this movie. It's good stuff. Now she does this, um, the big hurling the saber into the fire, but guess what? Luke Skywalker, Force Ghost, says no. Now, I'm just going to listen to this if you can hear it. Now, people have said, like, oh, what the hell, man? Like, like, uh, like, okay, hang on, I'm going to pause it. Uh, they're saying, like, um, oh, that was like a, a jab at Ryan Johnson, you know, like, you should respect that lightsaber, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look at Luke Skywalker's face. He's, like, grinning as he says it. He's joking. He's giving her a bit of a good-natured ribbing. I kind of like that kind of thing of, like, now that he's one with the Force, he has this kind of like uh, peace to him, this kind of all-knowingness in a way, where he's like, "I'm not bothered. Things are gonna be alright," you know. Uh, so that that is very cool. But I just I love that he had this, yeah, this kind of like funny, um, this kind of like uh, naughty monkey grin on his face. He's having a bit of a just a, like he's poking her in the ribs a bit. It's not supposed to be this like serious like a jedi's weapon deserves more respect that's not what it is at all and i can't believe that people are like missing that are you on drugs <sighs> drives me crazy um i feel like luke's wig is different from scene to scene in this which is weird Ah, it's funny. Like, okay, it's been a while since I saw this, and now just seeing Luke makes me happy. And seeing Ray makes me happy. So I don't love this sequence, but... Ah, it's pretty good. I just... Um, I just felt that... It was, it was sad to see Luke the way he was in Episode 8. He's my guy, and he's... He's the main guy for so many of us, you know, and um, and he made it, you know, he got over the finishing line in the end, but it was still like, it was sad to see him like his spirit so crushed for most of the film. So I think I really wanted this moment when he returns as a force ghost. I really wanted this to be like a kind of a really victorious moment for Luke or just something to just go like, ah, oh, he's, he's all right. He's good. Oh, I'm going to pause it here. Uh, and he is all right and he is good, but it was, I don't know if it's like, there's something about, I would be interested to know whether the look of these scenes on Akto like, to me, the light is not very inspiring. I don't think it's a very dramatic time of day. I feel like everything looks a bit washed out or something. Like, it's just like these boring kind of like aqua greeny blue colors in a way. And I just, I think I would have gone for a more dramatic palette for this section. This is... This is the end of Luke's story, except for that last scene, you know. <clears throat> um, I just think 
it, something about it doesn't land. And I thought, I really thought that seeing Luke happy and content as a Force ghost, like before I saw the film, I thought, you know, because we all knew that that he was going to be back as a Force ghost. I really thought that that was going to be my moment for the film, you know. And it turned out to be, you know, not even top 10 or 20, you know. Um, so a bit unfortunate. Uh, now here we see Leia's saber, which is wrapped in a nice, um, what's that thing called? I used to wash cars with things like that. Anyway, um, we see Leia's saber. It's pretty cool. No, it's good. It's good. I don't know. Like I've, I always feel like lightsabers should have an element of ugliness to them. I think the original uh, Skywalker and Vader lightsabers, which were both very similar, they're a bit lumpy, you know. They're asymmetrical and lumpy looking. Um, and that really is so, like, that's Star Wars, you know. So I feel a little bit like Leia's lightsaber... I mean, are they pearl inlays in the handle? It's a bit, it's just too pretty, I think. <clears throat> but um, still cool. Um, I th Do we get, is this the flashback now? I forget. Yeah, it is. All right. So, see, when I haven't seen this for a while, just like the visuals of it is, are really cool. <clears throat> Like, I remember being really surprising that, like, oh, my God, like, Leia almost got to the, um, almost made it to be, like, a fully trained Jedi um, before giving it up. Um, wow, didn't expect that. But I'm like, why would you, why would you not have um, expected that? Because, um, I mean, in Return of the Jedi, you know, I have it, my father has it, my sister has it, you know, like she's, she's a Skywalker, like why would she not? Um, so I kind of like, I like that, I think it, it lends a lot of nice support to the um, Mary Poppins scene in The Last Jedi, so that is cool. Um, um, yeah, here we've got th this scene where you've got um, Luke bringing the X-Wing out of the, the water. I've seen people say, like, wow, wasn't that amazing? I loved that moment. I've seen people say, like, oh, Olga, stop messaging me. Um, I've seen people say like it didn't really hit for them like okay I'm gonna pause it <clears throat> so uh, I just think like I think it's supposed to be this like you know like rounding off Luke's journey you know um it's this thing he couldn't do at the beginning of his uh, Jedi path. But now he has gone full circle and he's one with the Force and he can do it. Um, but it just feels like unnecessary. I mean, it's almost like if I was like, if I was like, oh, wow, look, I tied my own shoes. Remember when I couldn't do this before? It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not necessary to celebrate at this point. Um, a lot of people have said, like, it should have been Ray who did it, you know, to kind of play into her her story since um, it's really her that we're following. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that, really. Um, so, again, it's this, like, I don't know, these, like, blues and greens, it's... I feel like if this had been more like done with it's the grayness of the it's an overcast day that they were shooting 
which I think is not very dramatic. I think if they had done like um, a spectacular sunset or like with firelight or something, just to give it a bit more like this is a big moment. This is it for us and Luke, except for that little bit at the end, you know. Instead, it's just a bit visually dull, I think. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, nah, let's just do this and then uh, then we'll, we'll finish up. <laughs> got this nice, ridiculous moment of C-3PO meeting R2 and C-3PO doesn't remember him because his memory's been wiped. And this... This was... Yeah, like, pretty cheap, and of, it would have, like, when you think about C-3PO's sacrifice, it was really touching and very, and emotional, and um, considering the number of fake-outs and not really deaths in this movie, was it necessary to um, do another one with with C-3PO, especially since, like, like, C-3PO's memory has been wiped before, right? It didn't stop him being C-3PO. And the fact that he can't remember R2 or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Like, he's still a dick. <laughs> he's still annoying. Like, you can still, it's, it doesn't affect the character that much. He just can't remember anything. Um... So, uh, I think they could have kept C-3PO's memory wiped and kept that sacrifice there. Um, but, yeah, all right. Now, at least the gag there is good, where, like, R2, R2 is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick the, um, your memories back in your head. And he's like, under no circumstances. And then it, like, smash cuts to uh, R2 putting the uh, his memories back in his head like it's a bit of a lame decision but at least the joke was good that's the thing like you can criticize a lot about this trilogy but it's just done at least like at least it's done well in a way like it looks good the performances are good the jokes are good like, the overall, like, inconsistencies or, like, um, lack of focus in the overall story is kind of unfortunate. But, um, ah, I just think it's, like, they do it so well that I'm just, like, I get charmed. <laughs> I can't, I can't dislike it. Hmm. All right. So, let's finish off on this, another... That's, yeah, this section of the movie, there's just a lot of s shots of the Rebel Alliance talking about what they're going to do, and uh, which is important, of course. Cool to see the Tanty 4 again. Um, this, this scene of the Re Rebel Alliance, like, getting ready to go to, go to, go into battle, it has, like, rousing Poe speech, rousing John Williams music, people running around doing stuff. And it, it doesn't work for me, actually. <laughs> so sad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like the, the footage is a little bit staged looking. I just, I loved how unglamorous the Rebel Alliance was in the, in the original trilogy. Like they all, were, they looked like shit. They looked like you're, you're like your uncle's. You know, oh, my uncles are handsome, but um, like, uh, like they just look sloppy and like, and that this kind of shot of or this like sequence of them all getting re ready, it would look like a bunch of Benetton models trying to act like soldiers. It's just like eh, I don't know. Yeah, all right. Now. Um, yeah, maybe I've said before, like, I love The Rise of Skywalker, but I feel like it's a lot of my biggest issues are in the end of it. So, unfortunately, we're getting into the end of it now. So, it's going to be a little bit less effervescent um, excitement, but there's still mega amazing moments to come, which will be great. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to message me at all or su- ask any questions, suggest any topics, just look me up on Facebook under Star Wars Fun for Everyone or on Instagram under Star Wars Fun for Everyone. Uh, or if you're listening to this, you probably know me personally, in which case you can just message me however you bloody like. All right. Uh, we will be back next week after chapter 10 of the mandalorian so exciting we get new star wars every week for the next two months that's good news all right everyone thank you again this is star wars fun for everyone especially me (laughs) 